Hey, you're listening to Yo, This Can't Be Life, the podcast that aims to educate and inform Black women on how to take better care of their physical, mental, and financial health. I'm your host, Bree Montgomery, and I'm inviting you to join me as I interview resident experts to find out the cheat codes to living your best life. The information provided is intended to be general advice and should not be considered medical advice. For that, please consult your medical professional. This week in the guest chair, we have Stephanie Bernard, who is a certified holistic nutritionist, certified holistic nutrition counselor, non-toxic living consultant, and wellness writer based in Atlanta, Georgia. After a lupus diagnosis in 2010, Stephanie sought out a plant-based and holistic lifestyle to improve her health and quality of life. As a result, she has been med-free and symptom-free for nine years. Stephanie founded her platform, Healthy Hair to Toe, to encourage and educate others in their healing and health journey. Her holistic nutrition counseling practice, Holistic Healing Services, specializes in providing holistic nutrition counseling, education, and holistic health guidance for various conditions and backgrounds. And with that, let's get into the show. I'd like to welcome Stephanie Bernard to the show. Hi, everybody. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a certified holistic nutritionist and nutrition counselor. I am based in Atlanta, originally from New York. I'm a new Atlantan transplant, as they call it. So I've only been here for about eight or nine months uh, with my family. And um, I was diagnosed with lupus back in 2010. And after about 10 months or so, I realized that the medications and the procedures and all of that was just too daunting and not the life I wanted for myself after, you know, just not experiencing any relief. And I sought a holistic um, approach to everything and really figured out where the root cause of my autoimmune disease was coming from and was able to heal myself. And I've been med free for nine years and still going and symptom free. So health, holistic living, and just being really in tune with my body. So you mentioned that you had lupus and was able to figure out your root cause. Mm -hmm. Was that something that you and the holistic person kind of came up with together? Like, what was that process like? So here's the thing. I was working with my rheumatologist. Um, It's just that he had a more open mind than most physicians. Mm -hmm. So him seeing my blood work and seeing my numbers just through the roof, didn't understand, A, how was I walking around? Okay. Um, And not presenting as a case that was on paper, if that makes sense. Um, So I pretty much told him, like, I wasn't happy or satisfied with the medications and the procedures we were going through. And I'm young. At the time, I was about, I want to say, 24 or 25. Um, I didn't want this life for myself. And I just started seeking out changing my diet and things like that. So he was on board with that. So I think that's really key is just having a physician or a healthcare practitioner that you're working with that is your advocate and not kind of just force feeding you things. Um, That's very crucial. Um, So I was able to have that dynamic with him and kind of keep him in the loop as to what I was doing. So I started doing more reading and more research with autoimmune disorders and just finding out that a lot of it is not what we think it is. A lot of it is stemming from digestive health. And with digestive health being the root 
root cause, me changing my diet and my lifestyle was key. So many things hit our gut health that affect our overall health. Every, I mean, honestly, the conditions that stem from gut health is more way beyond Crohn's disease and inflammation and bloating and gas. We're talking about autoimmune conditions. We're talking about cancer, you know, so many different things stem from gut health. So getting to that point and understanding the link between the two and what foods were triggering my symptoms and kind of got me to the point that I was at was crucial. So, you know, I have to give him credit because again, he allowed me to be the patient. He allowed me to have a voice. Uh, whereas a lot of physicians won't do that. They're kind of just tell you, A, you're crazy. Um, B, you know, this, this has worked for patients in the past. It will work for you. You just have to give it a chance or C, you know, they'll tell you, you just have to deal with it. So, you know, that's something you definitely have to seek when you're, you know, working with a practitioner for sure is that camaraderie. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. I mean, even the fact-based evidence is pointing to gut health for yes. all of these things. Yes. And it's not even just, like you said, it's not even just gastrointestinal type diseases. Mm -hmm. And it's not even just physical diseases. They're talking about depression and anxiety, you yes. know, brain fog, all of that. Yes. From gut health issues. Yes. So with that, you said you started working on finding your trigger, your food triggers and things like that. What was that process like? It was basically a process of elimination. At the time, I was a meat eater. I was not vegan at all, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> so I was a heavy meat eater. I did consume dairy products. So not cow's milk, but things like cheese and yogurt and whatnot. Um, so understanding that these foods actually cause inflammation within the body. They cause a mucus buildup, which is the trigger for inflammation. And that is the root cause of any disease is inflammation. You know, that's what triggers our immune system to, you know, go, go into battle, so to speak. Right. So understanding, okay, trying meat and then, all right, let's, let's remove this for a little bit. So trying to remove that from my diet for a little bit and seeing how my body reacted, noticing that, okay, I'm not breaking out as much. All right. I'm not in as much pain. I'm a little bit less fatigued. Right. So I have more energy. Um, but then when it came to, cause dairy was the hardest part, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> My clients, I think they will attest to this. This is the one food everybody has an issue with trying to give up. Um, it's usually a long battle, but you know, you get on the other side of it eventually. So uh, removing that and I, I, that was just like night and day. It was night and day. Okay. Yeah. So how long, like once you remove dairy, how long did it take you to see some of the, ben or feel some of the benefits of that to let you, to give you that positive reinforcement? Like, Hey, I know it's going to be tough, but I feel better. I would say maybe about three to four weeks. Wow. Um, okay. yeah, it, it, it's definitely not overnight. Um, because but that's it, actually mm -hmm. kind of fast. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. It takes about 21 days for the body to really feel the effects of anything. It's just like they say, it takes 21 days for you to develop a habit. For our bodies, it takes anywhere from 21 days to six weeks, depending, 
to feel the effects of whether it be vitamins and supplements or medications and things like that. You know, so anybody who's ever been prescribed something, they'll be told with the exception of maybe, you know, diabetes medication, because that works pretty quick to regulate your blood sugar. Um, other medications, you're told to give it some time before, and it's usually three weeks before you can feel the effects. Okay. So yeah, so that's, that's how that worked for me. It was definitely that amount of time that worked that I saw the effects of feeling less fatigued, you know, less breakouts because I suffered from terrible acne, terrible inflammation, oh, wow. like inflammatory wow. and cystic hormonal acne, <laughs> you know? So definitely I saw it. I saw the effect of that within that time frame. Awesome. Okay. And I've heard that before with um, hormonal acne and dairy and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you're right, you know, inflammation is basically the basis for all of these things. Yes. So once you work on that, what kind of things did you add in? I know you were talking about some of the things that you took away from your diet that were beneficial. Now, what kind of things did you add in? So what I started to do, and I'm going to be flat out honest because this is pretty much the seems to be the case for a lot of people who transition from a more meat-based and dairy-based diet to a more plant-based um, diet or food lifestyle, as I call it, because I hate that word diet. Um, it, I want to say adding more fruits and veggies was key for me, but also, I kept having to find substitutes for the things I was taking out, right? So now we're talking back 2010, right? 2010, 2011, the vegan and plant-based products you see out right now were not out. Yeah. Right? So yeah. All, all I had really to choose from was Daya or Tofuti. <laughs> like those are the two brands. That was it. Um, if you wanted milk, it was lactate. <laughs> Oatly did not exist, or at least not on the East Coast yet. If it did exist, it wasn't on the East Coast. All right. So a lot of a lot of those things having to swap out for, you know, plant-based substitutes or vegan substitutes was critical for me because one thing I've, I've helped with clients who are transitioning is finding substitutes. If you don't have a substitute, you're not apt to keep to keep to that commitment, right? You're not apt to keep the commitment to pursuing that plant-based food lifestyle. You're kind of kind of fall back and say, well, I don't have something for this. What am I supposed to eat now? You find yourself at a loss. Mm -hmm. So finding those substitutes at the time for me, some of them are somewhat healthy. Some of them are, you know, provide more nutritional value than others. And some of them are just flat out processed. Whatever the case is, it's finding that substitute is key and working with it, you know, not getting so tripped up in, well, it has this in it and it has that in it. So I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. It will trip you up. You know, so I had to feel comfortable with saying, okay, I'm good with this for now. And then when, the, when I, you know, learn more or some more becomes available, then I'll feel comfortable going to the next step and not beating myself up for it. Because once you start beating on yourself over, over it or not making for not making certain milestones or not making certain progress, it kind of just takes the motivation out of it. You don't want to keep going. Okay. Yeah. So in that, what are your thoughts on the faux meats or the plant-based meat substitutes? Okay. So if you asked me back in 2011 or 2012, I would say I'm all for it <laughs> because I didn't know anything else. But now knowing what I know as a nutritionist and as a practitioner, I would say they're okay in moderation, but not something to consume every single day with or with every single meal. And what's 
you know, becoming more apparent is that you can take stuff like walnuts and soak them for three days and then use that as your quote unquote ground beef. You know, you could use lentils as a substitute for meats and lasagnas and stews and, you know, things like that. So chickpeas and, you know, instead of tuna fish, you could use chickpeas or, you know, instead of fake tuna from different companies, just pick a can of chickpeas and, you know, roll it in some vegan mayo or, you know, throw some seasonings in there. And then you have yourself a chickpea, quote unquote, tuna salad. There are ways now to to go ahead and incorporate these substitutes from a more natural state. However, it's not always accessible for everybody, right? Whether it be mm-hmm. your socioeconomic status or your location or just availability of certain foods in certain areas. Food deserts are real. Let's be let's be honest. Absolutely. Right? Not everybody can go ahead and make their plant-based uh nachos with, or, you know, plant-based tacos with certain things because they don't have access to certain things. So they're going to reach for those substitute meats and those mock meats. Okay, that's fine. But in moderation, you know, it's it's much bigger than just, you know, using this for this. That's not the approach I even take with my clients or, you know, hell, even myself. Right? I am realistic about what I have access to at any given moment. And especially right now with everything going on with the pandemic, people not, you know, receiving unemployment and things like that everybody's strapped, right? Everybody's strapped for cash. So you do the best you can with what you can and move forward. That's it. That's all we can do. Yeah. So what is it about them? I know I hear a lot about them having a lot more sodium than even their meat that they're trying to replace, Mm -hmm. but are there other issues about them? Like are there filler ingredients or like what kind of makes them less, you know, like a good fix? Got it. Um, I would say it's definitely preservatives and fillers, depending on the depending on the company and the brand, right? So, okay. you know, I know Beyond Meat is a very popular, popular brand right now with everyone with the burgers and the sausages and stuff like that. They're soy free, gluten free, and all that, right? But here's the thing, and there's no shade to Beyond Meat because I'm gonna be real. There's a time. There's times where I'm like, you know what? I feel like treating myself and let me just have, let me grab a sausage and then make a sandwich out of it or whatever. You know, there are certain ingredients that you do have to pay attention for within the preservatives um, because when it comes to marketing, companies know what people are seeking. They're very mm-hmm. smart. They're just the way they're just like there's greenwashing with cleaning products. All right. And beauty products. We have the same thing with the food industry. So we have to be mindful and become educated on reading ingredient labels. If you can't pronounce it, you probably shouldn't be eating it. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's the best way to go about it. You know, so you want to be mindful of that because some of these preservatives are endocrine disruptors. Okay. Even in children, they've been known to, you know, trigger ADHD and ADD. Food dyes, like, you know, red, red 40 and stuff like that, you know, just going off the top of my head. Right, Um, right. These are items in foods that are not really regulated in the States. Now, if you go to places like the UK, my husband has family over there and I'm telling you, they have banned a lot of the foods that we see here. They have banned them over there or they have healthy alternatives to them without these chemicals. So the food industry is very is not as regulated as we think. So that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen products that we have that in the UK or somewhere in Europe they just have different ingredients. And yes. I'm like, 
okay, if you're doing it for them, why don't you do it for us? Exactly. But- you know, someone I follow um, and I, I admire uh, for her efforts is the food babe. She has yeah. been highlighting this for years, you know, and it's just like now people are starting to really uh understand and pay attention and it's starting to gain some traction in the media because we're moving into a different time now you know there's a huge shift change going on whether it be with the food industry or overall that we're waking up and we're waking up in droves (laughs) right yeah because we're starting to see the negative effects of not paying attention yes exactly so i know we talked a little bit about your journey with your own health struggles, at what point did you decide to go from just researching for your own personal health to wanting to become a holistic nutritionist? Um, I would say the decision to pursue it as a career, you mean? Yes. Okay. So I would say that occurred when I was pregnant with my daughter. Um, so this was back in 2018. It happened at that point because It wasn't only me that felt the impact of pursuing this lifestyle. Once I had a good handle on it, it was, I was able to, you know, apply to my children, my sons at the time. They were both born asthmatic, right? And the trigger for me was my son, my oldest, whom had an asthma attack after he caught a cold. And this is something very common with people with asthma. One little thing just sets it off into a snowball effect and you're on the nebulizer. You're in the, in the hospital getting treatments and this and that. And it was a cycle with him. It was to a point we were in the hospital more with him than he was in school or we wow. were at work. And you know what happens? You start to worry about you know your job security, right? You're constantly calling out. Flu season, it's like you dread it. You know, because you know that you're going to, you know, just be down and out. So uh, it was about right before Thanksgiving, about three years ago, and he had an asthma attack and then had a seizure and stopped breathing. So I had to administer CPR and thank God I was a teacher at the time. So, oh, uh, yeah, so I knew CPR. So I gave him CPR. We got him to the hospital the whole nine. He was put on a whole regimen and I spoke to his allergist and I said, listen, he's not getting any better. Most kids, everybody kept saying his pediatrician and the allergist kept saying and his ENT all kept saying he'll outgrow it. But for him, he was kind of getting worse every year. So for him, I had to figure out, okay, what are his trigger foods? Okay, what are his, what are, what are the things that are triggering this? What is the root cause of all of this? It was his diet, number one. So we removed, we ended up removing dairy completely. He only had dairy once or twice a month, but it was enough that it was triggering a reaction in him. Wow. You know, and it almost killed him. So, you know, just that alone, I said, no, this, this is, this is it. Like, this has to be my mission. I felt, literally felt called to do it. From that point on, I was able to apply the same methods to my second son, who also born with asthma, um, not too long after that, and getting them off asthma medications and now managing everything homeopathically and holistically, but also they haven't needed a nebulizer in over two years. Okay. They haven't, yes. they haven't been in the hospital at all in the last three years. Okay. So just having, seeing that, seeing Mm -hmm. them have a childhood, seeing them be healthy and happy, very hyper, but happy boys. Hey, we'll take that. (laughs) We'll take it over. Over the hospital. Yes. And even my husband helping him come off of hypertension medication. He hasn't been on hypertension medication in about four years and he was born with high blood pressure. He was never able to get a handle on it until revamped his diet, changed his lifestyle, 
incorporated certain things like black seed oil and flaxseed oil, you know, um, and things like that. So now he is, the doctors still can't believe that he's not on any medication and his blood pressure is stabilized. Okay. Right. He still eats meat. He's just more plant-based than, you know, a meat right. eater, but him understanding what works for him and what doesn't, I realized like, okay, this is not just a hobby anymore. This is literally my life. How can I help other people? How can I help other people take charge of their health and see that there is another side to it? Even if they have to still take certain medications, depending on the condition, that knowing that they still have control over their health and their life by what they put into their bodies. That's my mission. Oh, that is wonderful. I mean, and the results speak for itself. Yes, yes. So I've never really heard of a holistic nutritionist until lately. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between the quote unquote regular nutritionist and mm-hmm. a holistic nutritionist? Okay. So a, a standard nutritionist now, this depends on the state that you live in, right? So okay. I live in, I live in Georgia. So here they consider dietitians nutritionists. And nutritionists who are certified are considered nutrition counselors. So this is why I hold both titles. Okay. So depending on the state I'm in, so like in New York, I was a full-blown holistic nutritionist. I didn't have a counselor attached because I could practice that way. Whereas in Georgia, I had both because of the different state, the different requirements. So, you know, dietitians go to school and they get their, they get their degree in, you know, in dietitian studies, so on and so forth. They become certified as a registered dietitian, you know, with the state that they they live in. Nutritionists don't need the state license, but they do need a certification in order to work. Okay, so that's the difference. And then when you get holistic nutritionists and nutritionists, it's all in the approach. So nutritionists will look at the standard things, help you develop meal plans. They can recommend supplements, so on and so forth. Holistic nutritionists look at everything from a holistic perspective. So we look at everything from mind body and spirit. You know, um, I always joke when I'm taking on a client, I tell them I'm not your average nutritionist. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to sit here. You're going to tell me about your mama. You're going to tell me about your best friend who, you know, did this and irked your nerves. You're going you know, you're gonna, to you're gonna tell me about that, that, you know, whatever's at work that's pissing you off. And, you know, you just, you, it's stressing you out and how that's, guess what, how that's affecting your body. You know, you're going to tell me about your lifestyle. You know, what do you do when you wake up? You know, do you meditate? You know, do you have an outlet for things? We look at everything, mind, body, and spirit. But then, you know, from the nutrition perspective, you know, when I work with, just to give an example, if I have a client who has diabetes, I'm looking at, okay, not only what could you put into your diet to help you, but what could you remove and what is causing certain symptoms? Or do you have deficiencies in certain things? I also tend to work with physicians with my clients, with their primary care physician or whomever, whatever physician referred them to me. And we work as a team. So we see everything from a holistic perspective, but also from a team effort. We don't do it solo. You know, I have a few clients where I do work solo because the the, the issues are very minimal. Mm-hmm. But when you start getting higher up on the scale with people with hypertension, diabetes, or post-stroke, you know, I've had a client who was post-stroke and the daughter wanted me to help get her grandmother back on track with everything to really recover, you know, fully and take advantage of that recovery process because you have such a small window. These are the things we look at. We look at everything. We look at everything. Oh, that is wonderful. And that's something new that I'm just learning about 
too. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, like you said, the traditional person will ask about what you're eating and maybe about a little bit how you're feeling afterwards. Mm-hmm. But going to like a holistic professional, they're they're asking, you know, about your mental space and yes. how you're feeling yes. and your dynamics with your family and all yes. of that. And I was just like, is this a medical appointment or is this like, a psychological appointment. It's it's a little bit of everything, I'm telling you. And it's I'm a little mind-boggling at first, but by the end of my sessions, usually my clients are like, wow, I feel better. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. letting me just let that load off. And I'm like, Right. Because oh, well. I mean, all of that does have an effect on it how does. you feel. And, and it's just interesting that we're kind of just now, well, the majority of people are just now coming to that. I'm sure there's a lot of people who that, that's been their norm for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after, I guess, the the entry interview, if you're a new client and you talk about some things, what are, do you do any diagnostic testing? Do you start with like elimination diets? Like what can I expect if I'm a new patient coming to see a holistic nutritionist? So what I do, that's a really great question. So what I usually do is I send a very in-depth questionnaire um, beforehand. So it stems from everything to, you know, what foods do you like to what foods are you not willing to give up? (laughs) You know, um, if you mention certain medical conditions, I I ask when were you diagnosed, you know, but then I also ask things like, okay, well, walk me through a day from when you first wake up. So I know your routine, you know, uh, what do you eat out of stress? Or do you eat when you're sad? Or do you eat more when you're happy, et cetera, et cetera? You know, the questionnaire is very in-depth. Also, in addition to the standards, knowing what medications you're on, how long have you been on them? What are your dosages? You know, what supplements are you on? What stuff have you tried in the past that whether they did or didn't work for you? Have you worked with a nutritionist before? You know, have you worked with certain meal plans or, you know, diets or things like that before? Having a kind of a handle, so I can have a handle on where you've been and where you want to go. You know, it's not just about where you want to go, but also where have you been before? What impact is that going to have on your goals pressing forward? You know, and what are your realistic goals? You know, I have clients who, you know, don't do meal plans. They really just want more of a holistic guidance with whether it be herbal medicine or holistic medicine remedies and things like that to, you know, just getting their gut health in order. Majority of my clients, it's gut health. It's gut and then autoimmune, Mm -hmm. you know, so working with those things. I don't do any diagnostic testing. That's out of my scope of practice. But what I do is if they have a physician, um, my last two clients are physicians refer them to me. I work with their physicians. Okay. You know, I work with their physicians to kind of get a handle on everything. And then sometimes I even send my assessments over to their physicians so they can be in the loop as to what's going on, you know, depending if that's what they want to do. And majority do because, you know, majority are functional medicine doctors. And so mm-hmm. they are looking at everything just as we are. That's another scope of um, medical practice that's booming right now is integrative and functional medicine, you know, so working with those physicians as, you know, as just a collective team to really get, because it's about the patient. It's not about us. It's about the client. It's not about us getting them on track. So that's pretty much where I start is that in-depth questionnaire. We go over it. You know, I always say we have an hour. It says we have an hour, but I say, listen, if we go over, it's okay. I just want to make sure I know where your head is at and I know where you really, really want to go. Okay. So is it 
typical for you guys to take insurance or will, is this like an out-of-pocket cost? So for me right now, it's out of pocket. I'm actually working with the state to get um, licensure. So this way I can go ahead and help people who, you know, are on Medicaid and things like that, because Medicaid does cover certain, it depends on the managed care plan that they have, but they Mm -hmm. do cover certain uh, nutrition counseling practices and services. So I'm working right now. It's a lot of red tape, but (laughs) I'm determined to do it because I know that I need to reach another population that really needs the help and doesn't have access to it. Um, But as of now, you know, everything is out of pocket, but I just, what I do is I make it more affordable. So, you know, for the client that doesn't want to purchase a counseling package, they have the option to do a consult and book me on appointment as needed versus having to pay, you know, a, a fee for a package and they not feel like they can really utilize it over the amount of time that they really need me. So they may need me for a year, but they're like, oh, I can't afford a year of monthly coaching, but right, right. one appointment as needed. And then we work something out. So I'm flexible. I'm flexible. Okay. That is so great. What are your thoughts on supplements? Like, is that something that you incorporate in a regimen or do you try to concentrate on more like whole food sources of vitamins and minerals? So I am kind of in between. And the reason, the reason being is that I do believe that food is our best source for nutrition, right? But when it comes to supplementing, we would be seeking a supplement for therapeutic purposes or to fill in nutritional gaps. So let's say somebody is deficient in iron, but because of their income or because of their socioeconomic status or you know access to certain foods, they don't have the means to incorporate those certain foods into their diet regularly. That's when I would say, okay, you're going to try to do the best you can, you know, but this supplement you can, you can take depending on what you feel would work best for you. Here's, here it is. This is the dosage you'd want to take over X amount of time, you know, and go from there. Food again is our best source of nutrition, but at the same time, I'm also aware of certain factors that hinder you know, being able to access those things and where a supplement would actually come into play and have a positive effect for a client. Also, when it comes to supplements, I always tell, always, I stress this on my platforms and with clients that you cannot absorb any supplements if your gut health is hindered. You can take all the supplements in the world. And I I do have a few people where they were taking X amount of stuff and it wasn't working and they didn't understand why. And when you get to the root cause, they have a compromised gut. They have a compromised gut. So it didn't matter what they ate. It didn't matter what they took. It wasn't working because their gut health was not stable. Wow. Okay. All right. So the, you know, definitely we talked about like the elimination diets and stuff like that and the working on the healing. What does the healthy gut look like? What things do you start to see when things are getting better so that you know, okay, maybe something that didn't work in the past because your gut was unhealed? How do you know, okay, it's time, let's try this again and see what happens? Okay, so the symptoms of a compromised gut, right, are because that's where you'd want to start. You want to know what to look for. You want to know how it's hindered to begin with. So you know it's hindered if you have gas, if you have bloating, if you have constipation or diarrhea, all right? If you notice that, you know, when you eat, you either get full quickly or you're constantly wanting to 
find something more to eat because just nothing is filling you up. The other uh, sign is cravings. Cravings are a huge, huge sign because your body is basically trying to make up for what it can't retain. So usually you'll crave salty foods or sweet foods or sometimes both in a vicious cycle. So knowing that those things that, okay, definitely something's off with my gut, you know, breaking out. Eczema is a huge, huge gut related. Our skin is the biggest organ on our body, right? And it's a huge indicator that our gut health is not in order. So knowing those things, if you find yourself on the, you know, meeting those criteria or a good majority of them, or even three out of the seven that I maybe mentioned, you know, okay, let me tackle this first. So you go ahead and tackle that then you start to notice that your gut health is back in order when you're not experiencing those symptoms, okay? Uh, you don't have any abdominal pains whatsoever. You're regular, okay? Your skin is clearing up. You're not as fatigued because your body gets fatigued when your gut is impaired. And the best analogy I can give, picture your gut like a water balloon. And then you take a pin and you start poking the balloon and then water starts leaking out. So now the water leaking out is toxins in your gut because of everything that built up, okay? Water starts leaking out all over your body and is causing inflammation and causing other conditions to pop up, all right? So you know that everything's back in order when, again, skin is cleared up, you're not experiencing any symptoms, your diet, your, your hunger is regular, it's not irregular, okay? You're regular yourself with your bowels and things like that. So that point, then you can start to say, all right, let me start incorporating certain supplements now. Um, maybe check with my physician to see if I'm deficient in anything to get blood work done. That's a huge thing because they have the power to do that, right? So you get, mm-hmm. your, get your iron levels checked, get your vitamin D, which is a huge deficiency issue within our community um, get those levels checked. And then now you can supplement accordingly, you know, so you're not over supplementing, you're not supplementing with the wrong things. You're supplementing effectively. Right. Okay. And so would you recommend maybe like a food journal or like a health journal, something to kind of track how you feel? Here's, here's how I, I, I would say that, um, you can, but what I've noticed works more is people who take pictures of what they're eating and knowing Mm. how they feel after that, because we're always on our phones, right? We always have Mm. our phones in our hand. We're checking the news. We're checking, you know, what's going on in the White House today. And (laughs) let's let's go on Instagram. Let's go on this. Let's go on that. We're always on our phones. We're playing games. We're texting. We're calling. Take a picture and create a little folder in your phone of what you ate on a certain day or go by. You can created by day even, and then make a note in your notes as to how it made you feel. And even the notes you can put, there's a feature where you could add the photo into your notes, right? Right, right. So you can do that as well. I I found that more effective lately with people. And I think it's because it's a sign of the times. We're always on our phones. So it's like, it's a very convenient, you know, uh, way to approach it. But food journal is great as well. And, you know, some people find writing, you know, more effective. Other people find they're more visual and pictures right. invoking a certain thought. Like, okay, I remember, yes, I felt like this. You know, I mean, I've never tried the photo thing, but I could see that being a lot easier and effective for me with my personality. Mm -hmm. My only thing, which I'm starting to learn now, is that I may not have a reaction that day. And it was the hardest thing for my mind to process that something I ate two days ago could be the reason why I'm feeling funky today. Instead of like, I just like, why wouldn't you just act up? 
after I ate it. So I know. <laughs> so true though. Real was the problem. Right? <laughs> I get it. Because now yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. And you're trying to like do this investigative yes. process. Are you, are you playing mind games with me? Right. Am I imagining exactly. it? Yeah. <laughs> get it. I don't know. You're absolutely right. Not everybody. It's a great point that you brought out. Not everybody has a reaction to foods the same moment. Sometimes it's days later. You know, my daughter, that's how I figured out she had an issue with gluten and wheat. She wouldn't break out right away. It would happen two or three days through two or three days later. And then it would last for like a week or two, you know, so not everybody reacts the same way. That is a very good point. So I, I would say to that point, when you're in your journal or your photo journal, your photo food journal, you make a note of when symptoms occurred, because at that point, you know, that's your body's way of processing. And you know that you're not going to experience a reaction the same day. You know, you know, to expect something two or three days, two or three days later. So you know to look at that point. Right, right, right. Yeah. You just have to factor all of that in like, yes. hey, you're not out the bo- if you know, you, you survive that one day. It may, yeah. sometimes you, you, you do it. Cause you're like, Oh, you want nothing to happen. Cause you want to keep that. Yes. In. And you're like, I made it, I made it. It's all good. And then like a day or two and you're like, dang it. Were you in my, were you in my house about three years ago, two years ago with my daughter? Because that was me having to give up tomato sauce. I was like, oh, yeah. oh my God, I was tortured. I was tortured yeah. for about five months. I couldn't have any, any spaghetti sauce, anything with tomato base in it, because it was triggering eczema for her because she was having a reaction to nightshade foods. And yeah, that's one oh of the foods God. of the list. I, yeah. I swear to you, I was like, I could eat penne alla vodka every day. What are you talking about? I right. can't have this? No, yeah. this can't be right. This can't be right. And <laughs> for me, I thought that's what it was for me because, you know, they always tell you about nightshade vegetables, right? Yeah. But really... It was oregano for me. Oh but a lot God. of those tomato-based sauces have, have that oregano. In yes. Yes. And I was just like, what? Because I mean, mm-hmm. so many of my seasonings and everything. And really? I, I did the AI, the uh, autoimmune protocol diet. Like I did so many different things that I took out all the stuff that was supposed to be, including mm-hmm. tomatoes. And that's how I narrowed it down. Oh, wow. Because I took the and I was making that no tomato sauce, you know? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And that was even worse because come to find out another thing on my list was carrots. And you put a little carrots in there oh, to try God, to give yeah. it the color. Yes, girl. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my Yeah. <laughs> my body plays games with yes. me. Do you see, but you see how intricate everything is for everyone. So imagine now I never had a reaction to carrots or oregano, but just knowing that it's just like once that one food item that you love comes off the list, you're like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how, right. am, I, how am I supposed to replenish this? Like what, how am I supposed to cook? Like, exactly. You start freaking out. You really start exactly. freaking out. Because like carrots is like, all right, whatever. But oregano, it's not even like I consciously put it in everything, but it just so much naturally in so many things. So So even when I didn't think I was having it, it was in, you know, sauces or seasonings and things like that. So I'm like, oh, no. You know, this just brings me to a point like this. Sometimes I swear autoimmune conditions are a blessing in disguise because it causes us to cook more ourselves and become more creative with recipes. And that's where that's where even myself is at with all my kids and myself, because I'm like, okay, how can I come up with something that this kid won't have a reaction to or this kid won't have a reaction to or I won't have a reaction to? It forces you to be more creative. So sometimes I say it's a blessing in disguise. Yes. And it does make me add more vegetables. Like I know I've been hearing about uh, vegetable diversity. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like, is it because they talk about with the gut health is that maybe you're feeding it certain things. So add some new or change it up with the vegetables. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely forced me to eat some vegetables that I never ate before. Yes. Some of the vegetables that I really like and was eating a lot are problematic. Yes. Like bell peppers. And, you know, you got, like you said, carrots, you got eggplant, you got oregano, you got, oh my gosh, the list goes on. <laughs> Yeah. So it, it's just interesting. But mm-hmm. like you said, the, the, the journals, you know, kind of keeping track of what's going on, eliminating things, you know, are helpful. It's just that trying to figure out what it is, because luckily, you know, you found some things like dairy and stuff like that early on mm-hmm. um, that you took out and found success. But sometimes, you know, yeah, it's a, a harder process, especially like you said, even if you do some of the right things when your gut is still messed up, yeah, you don't see the results. So you don't know if maybe that didn't work or it's just that your gut is just so messed up that it needs to heal longer before it shows that what you're doing is successful. It does, especially if you if you've been doing it for a lifetime. Right? right. Exactly. Doing it for a lifetime. Most of us are in our, you know, between our twenties and forties. So, I mean, you're talking about at minimum 20 plus years of mm-hmm. following a certain food lifestyle that was working for you up until a certain point where your body said, listen, I can't take it anymore. I'm exactly. tolerating it. I'm tolerating it for you, but there's going to come a point where, you know, the transmission's going to go out and you're going to have to take me for service. You know? Right. Right. And that's the thing. It's just like, well, this was working all this time, yeah. but I guess it just got to its breaking point. It you does. know, it does. And you know, when it comes to gut health, I always talk about the four R's, you know, you want to repair, but you also want to replenish, you know, and then you want to restore but then you also want to retain. So mm-hmm. you you just you don't want to just, you know, take a bunch of stuff out. You also want to replenish what's what's needed back in because our gut is like an ecosystem, right? And you remember if you remember from, you know, back in school, our school days and we learned about ecosystems back in middle school and they talk about, you know, basically one thing gets thrown off and the whole system is out of whack. Right, right. You know? And those the bacteria in our gut really rely on remaining stable and balanced. We have good and we have bad, but once that bad overgrows the good, that's when everything just gets haywire. So really focusing on balancing those gut, those bacterial strains and, you know, keeping everything, you know, in equilibrium and really replenishing all the nutrients that we need, you know, at that point, then you kind of set yourself up for success with whatever you pursue, whatever, you know, food lifestyle you pursue and things like that right then and there, you're giving yourself the best opportunity to do so. Okay. So what are your thoughts on like a prebiotic or a probiotic? Okay. So this I've actually been working on researching a little bit more because there are more studies coming out that it's not just black and white. We do need both. Okay. We do need both. We don't just need probiotics. It's always ideal to seek something that has prebiotic strains in it as well. It's just that prebiotic foods are easier to uh, get. It's easier to get prebiotics through food than it is through supplement. Okay. That I can say off about the availability. It's very rare if you find a supplement that has both, but if you do, um, it's, it's great. I always say aim for refrigerated. Now there are more studies coming out that soil-based probiotics are more bioavailable with for our bodies because they're not neutralized by the stomach acids on the way down, right? So then what happens is by the time they hit our digestive tract, it's kind of null and void. 
So oh, okay. it, you understand what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like, it's a great marketing scheme. Cause you're like, okay, let me get this probiotic. Let me pay $22 for this supplement. And I'm going to take this and I'm going to be good. And then it's not working and you don't know why, you know? Right. So yeah. it gives you that false, that false hope that, okay, I'm going to take this every day and I'm going to be good. And then when you're not, you kind of get discouraged and you don't understand why. Yes, your gut health is hindered, but you're also not taking something that's helping you. Right, right. I did hear something about something that had like another layer or something, you know, so like when it goes through that part of the body, it'll take that outer layer off. And yes. Then- yeah. So that that's what I'm starting to research more is just so I can kind of educate everyone a little bit deeper on because even myself, I'm always learning. I'm, mm-hmm. I never shut myself off to learning. I don't care how many certifications I have. You're never done learning. So and information and studies are coming out. Things are changing by the day. So yeah. we have to just keep our, you know, our, our ears to the ground so we know what's going on. So then we could just relay the information back to the community in a way that everyone can understand and, you know, just digest. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So as far as resources available, like say we want to learn more, like you got us going and we want to learn more, what kind of places can we look at to get more information? So right now uh, I have my blog up, my website up where I try to do more weekly posts, um, educational posts as to, you know, nutrition and health, but I am getting back into filming a IGTV series that I started earlier this year, just before the pandemic had hit. Um, so I'm looking to continue that series because I've gotten that question a lot in the DMs as to when will more videos be up? So I'm working on that now. Um, but, you know, just really seeking even nutritional resources through books, I would say also online. So you can start off on my site, healthyhairtotoe.com. And, you know, my Instagram's the, the Holistic Healer. But definitely reading a lot more and just stay tuned for more videos because I know this is a topic that has gotten gotten everybody buzzing this year, especially with everything going on. So we need to know more about our health, about our nutrition, and about its impact on our gut and immune health for sure. Okay. All right. And is there any closing thoughts you'd want to tell us? Yes, we are. And this is not fear mongering, but we are. The reality is we are still in the middle of a global health pandemic. Right. And flu season is upon us, guys. I am really, really imploring that we take care of our gut health and our immune health. The reality is right now, nobody knows what we're dealing with with this virus. So it's very imperative that we do take care of what we do know. We do take care of what we do have within our control, which is what we eat, okay, where our stuff is being sourced from. I am imploring that we take care of our gut health and, you know, really filling in the nutritional gaps where needed, but making sure we're eating properly. We're stocking up on, you know, eating fresh fruits and vegetables, getting our vitamins in, getting our vitamin D in the sun if possible, you know, just going out at noon for 15 minutes to 20 minutes at noon where the sun is the highest point, will give you more than over, I would say maybe twice the amount of the recommended daily value of vitamin D. If you have a deficiency, that is key to immune health is vitamin D. And if you're going to take a supplement D3 with K2, make sure you're taking zinc and magnesium. Magnesium helps the body absorb vitamin D. Okay. Thank you. That was wonderful. You're very welcome. Thanks again for coming on the show, for educating us. 
No problem. Thank you so much for having me, Bree. I hope to do it again because this was fun. Um, and I just thank you for reaching out and including me on this. Um, and I hope somebody took notes and <laughs> anything I can help with, you know, feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it. What did you think? I was definitely inspired as someone who has lupus and is not med-free or symptom-free. I'm going to try to go back and see what kind of changes I can make. I mean, as we discussed, I tried a lot of the things before, but I like talking to people who have finally figured out what works for them. And it just lets me know that it is possible. So, you know, maybe one day I'll figure out something for myself. If you'd like to keep up with Stephanie, you can find her on Instagram at the.holistic.healer. Also, Healthy Hair to Toe. She has a website, healthyhairtotoe.com. And to keep up with us, of course, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Yo This Can Be Life. We also have a Twitter page. We're also available for your listening pleasure on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Go ahead and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Please consider giving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing with your friends on social media. Um, Thank you for all of those who support, um, who DM, email me. If you have any questions or you have suggestions for the show, email me at brie at yothiscan'tbelife.com. Until next time.